section sixteen of the seven lively arts this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the seven lively arts by gilbert seldes the damned effrontery of the two-a-day the narrator of the following episode is mr percy hammond of the new york tribune the stars are montgomery and stone the mr mansfield is richard himself again the actor who played dr jekyll and mr hyde better than thomas e shea did as the stars appeared in the last act in evening dress mr mansfield turned to me and with venomous indignation said that is damned effrontery it seemed to be mr mansfield's belief that mere dancers had no right to wear the vestments of refined society to me that is a very funny story and the humour of it has nothing to do with upon what meat has this our caesar fed that he has grown so great the eminence of mansfield and the worthlessness of montgomery and stone may be assumed the recrudescence of the mediaeval attitude towards strolling players even if it be in the mind of another player is also conceivable snobbism is always conceivable and often interesting the story is funny because it so perfectly illustrates the genteel tradition in america i'm rather freely applying mr santayana's phrase without any effort to do it justice montgomery and stone were in review or extravaganza and were therefore outcast they didn't count as art whereas mr mansfield played shakespeare and high school girls went to see him and so he was art the application to vaudeville is immediate because vaudeville is considered on broadway as the grave of artistic reputations an actor of established prestige may venture into vaudeville he usually makes his audience feel exactly how far he has condescended to appear before them and accept even if he doesn't earn a salary three times as great as usual but the actor in the middle distance very well knows that if he goes into vaudeville he is digging his own grave because there is a stigma attached to the two-a-day vaudeville players in short are not entitled to the vestments of refined society about every ten years the corrupt desire to be refined takes hold of vaudeville itself but it dies out quickly and vaudeville remains simple and good it is in one of the stages of simple goodness now and i propose to discuss it without reference to a possibly more noble past i am well acquainted with the other method which was founded i believe by arthur simons and beautifully practised by him to him we owe the peculiarly attractive attitude of sentimental reminiscence which invented or borrowed by him has become classic it leads to excellent prose at times and by showing that there was a golden age even in vaudeville sometimes creates the suspicion 
that vaudeville itself need not be all brass but the attitude is unsatisfactory because it invokes in dealing with the most immediate of the minor arts more than a share of the pathos of distance vaudeville is brightly colored zestful with sharp outlines and the classic attitude softens and blurs it is required of you to name and describe the acts and numbers of a better day one must say music hall or be slain in the passages of the jordan in america a reference to the commedia dell'arte is as scientists say indicated yet the time must come when it is possible to say vaudeville is surely it could never have been worse than this or for that matter never better let us regard it as it is the moment must come in the history of general culture when vaudeville can be taken without comparisons that is it happens the only way i can take it for in my youth i saw little of it and cared less i recall a skit called change your act or go back to the woods there were fours and among them were cohen's there was i remember the man who made the shah of persia laugh once i saw an artist in pantomime yet i am not moved to beat my breast and begin einstein meinen jugendjahren nothing i've heard leads me to believe that there were better days in vaudeville than those which open benignant and wide over joe kirk and fanny bryce and the six brown brothers over the two bryants and van and schenk and the four marxes and the rath brothers and the team of williams and wolfus over duffy and sweeney and johnny dooley and harry watson jr as a young kid battling dugan and messrs moss and fry who ask how high it is up i shall arrive in a moment at the question of refined vaudeville a thing i dislike intensely there is another sort of refinement in vaudeville which demands respect it is the refinement of technique it seems to me that the unerring taste of fanny bryce's impersonations is at least partly due to and has been achieved through the purely technical mastery she has developed i am sure that the vaudeville stage makes such demands upon its artists that they are compelled to perfect everything they have to do whatever they do swiftly neatly without lost motion they must touch and leap aside they dare not hold an audience more than a few minutes at least not with the same stunt they have to establish an immediate contact set a current in motion and exploit it to the last possible degree in the shortest space of time they have to be always in the picture for though the vaudeville stage seems to give them endless freedom and innumerable opportunities it holds them to strict account it permits no fumbling and there are no reparable errors the materials they use are trivial yes but the treatment must be accurate to a hair's breadth the wine they serve is light it must fill the goblet to the very brim and not a drop must spill over there is no great second act to redeem a false entrance no grand climacteric to make up for even a moment's dullness the whole of the material must be subsumed in the whole of the presentation every page has to be written every scene rendered every square inch of the canvas must be painted not daubed with paint it is of course obvious that the responsibility in this case is exactly that of the major arts it is at least tenable that in this case as in the major arts the responsibilities are fulfilled and nothing could be more illuminating than the moments in vaudeville when the tricky and the bogus appear i face here willingly the protest of intelligent men and women who have gone to vaudeville to see or hear one turn and have sat through some of the dreariest aesthetic dancing 
have heard the most painfully polite vocalism have witnessed drama if vaudeville requires half of what i have said how do these things get in and get by largely as a concession to debased public taste note well that all the culture elements in vaudeville the dull and base and truly vulgar ones are importations the dance appropriate to the vaudeville stage is the stunt dance its proper music is ragtime or jazz the playlet which belongs to it witness the success of a slice of life is burlesque yet like every other popular art in america vaudeville is required by the tradition of gentility to be cultural and its dull defenders often make it their boast that it does give culture to the masses the same sort of thing is heard in connection with the music plate at moving picture houses because among its native acts appear tableau vivant out of landseer or because a legitimate actor brings to the common herd scraps and snatches of les miserables the process continues regrettably and extends to the spoiling of good vaudeville material it isn't a loss of anything precious except time which could be filled by something better when mr lou Telligen struts about on the variety stage it is a defamation of something good in the major line and equally a loss of moments when the affairs of anatole are inexpertly and tastelessly produced for vaudeville but what shall we say of such a real disaster as the return of miss ethel levy to vaudeville still so rich in attraction that she plays for weeks at the palace in new york wholly spoiled for variety because she has had a triumph abroad and has become a great actress or is it an artiste there was in miss levy something roughly elemental something common and pure whatever she did had broadness and sharpness both corrupted by her success abroad she returned still magnificent the voice still throbbing the form heavy but dominant yet no longer vaudeville she has the grandeur of a star and appears in full stage with a grand piano and silk-shaded lamps and draperies and sings all by myself with shocking bad sentimental acting and gets all she can out of love's old sweet song before the touch of her old spirit protests and recites her dramatic monologue entitled destiny now and again flashes of burlesque reveal her ancient flavor but it is an axiom in vaudeville that you can't be good in it if you are too good for it i omit the people who aren't simply good enough there are second-rate people in vaudeville as in everything else and first-rate people of its second order the part that is pure i'm convinced is rarely matched on our other stages certainly not in the legitimate nor in the serious artistic playhouse where knowing one's job perfectly and doing it simply and unpretentiously are the rarest things in the world review and musical comedy require and often attain the pitch of technical accuracy which vaudeville sets as a standard and these two forms draw heavily upon vaudeville for material and stars whom they incorporate only in so far as the stars are not pure variety themselves they are as much entitled to the jazz bands as any other stage but to me a jazz band is not essentially variety although it has a legitimate place there that is why i reject mr walter havelin's ranking of ted lewis as one of the greatest of vaudeville acts for the great acts in vaudeville are those which could not be perfectly appreciated elsewhere the aesthetics of the question have been canvassed in laocoon i believe johnny dooley who always breaks up the show in musical comedy is a real vaudeville player 
and Jack Donahue, who was the sole attraction of another such piece, is always right. His fumbling for words is inspired, and so is his dancing, and altogether it is a completely realized act. Among the most popular of the big-time acts, I'm left cold by Van and Schenk, who are perpetually stopping short of perfection. Their songs are funny but not witty. Their music is current. No more. Their rendition is always near enough right to be passed. The four Marx brothers do better in creating their special atmosphere of low comedy. The six Brown brothers are at the very top with their saxophones. It is an independent act, wholly self-contained, not nearly so appropriate in any other framework except possibly in a one-ring circus. It is a real variety term where a jazz band is only half and half, and in the case of these performers, everything they do is exquisite. It is impossible to describe the acts or even to suggest the distinctive quality of the headliners. There are inexplicable things in vaudeville, things no rational explanation can touch, such as the persistence of sawing a woman in half, or the terrific impact of the singing of Belle Baker, who destroys you with Eli Eli, Houdini is variety as all magicians are, and all tricksters, the circus side of vaudeville to be sure, and the sensational side. Here belong the acrobats. I've written elsewhere of the Rath brothers who alone are in the spirit and tone of vaudeville without any intrusion of the circus. At the present moment, nearly everything in vaudeville which is best has a touch of parody. Not infrequently, it burlesques itself. Herbert Williams of Williams and Wolfus exaggerates wholly in the manner of a clown. His despairing cry for the spotlight, his wail of unhappiness with his appearance, his gesture, his shambling walk, make him a figure out of the Commedia dell'arte, one of the few in vaudeville. Duffy and Sweeney are parodists of their métier. Their whole fun is in their elaborate pretense of not caring to amuse the audience. Harry Watson, Jr. is taken out of burlesque, the accentuated form, the built-up face, the wide and fatuous gesture peculiar to that type, and in his broken-down prize-fighter has created a real character with his jumping the rope five thousand consecutive times, and tell him what I did to Philadelphia Jack O'Brien. I'm dragged into a catalogue of names which I want to avoid, but I cannot omit the macabre moving man's dream of the Bryants, the rustic studies of Sheikh the elaborate burlesque of melodrama by Charles Withers, and the exceptional mad magician of Frank Van Hoven. Van Hoven carries farther than anyone else the appearance of not knowing the audiences to be amused. He complains in a mutter of the presence of human beings, individually, probably, all right, but en masse. He leaves the stage and passes out of the auditorium, bidding the audience amuse itself while he's gone, and his great finale with a bowl of goldfish, a handkerchief in a trunk, a table covered with a cloth, an inflated paper bag, and a revolver shot, at the sound of which exactly nothing happens, is the last word in destroying the paraphernalia of the magician and all his works. I have committed myself to the statement that Joe Cook is perfect, and I am in no mood to withdraw it. As vaudeville he is perfect, I can see him in no other milieu, because he lacks the gift, not needed in vaudeville, though useful there, of holding the audience in his hand. He is liked, not loved, his act is met with continuous chuckles, smiles, and laughter, seldom with guffaws. This is not necessarily to his credit. He means that he does one sort of thing, and does it extremely well. It happens to be just the thing for which vaudeville is made. As Ethel Levy is what most vaudeville players aspire to be, so Cook is what they ought to be. 
is exactly right yet to give the quality of his rightness is difficult to recognize it is easier he is versatile but not in the manner of sylvester schaefer he is a master of parody and burlesque yet not in the fashion of charles withers his delicate impersonations have an ease and certainty far beyond the studies of chic sale essentially what distinguishes joe cook is that he is very wise and slightly mad and his madness is not the dippy kind so admirably practised by frank van hoven it is structural mr cook's is probably the longest single act in vaudeville and after it is over he saunters into one or more of the acts that follow his on the programme as his fancy takes him his own starts as a running parody of old-time vaudeville beginning with the musicians coming out of the pit through the magician and the player of instruments too but no one has ever discovered where it does go to for after the card tricks the ace of spades is asked for and as he remarks after five minutes of agonized fumbling behind his back the ace of spades is asked for and practically at a moment's notice the ace of spades is produced and it never is mr cook finds it necessary to explain to the audience in one of the most involved pieces of nonsense ever invented why he will not imitate four hawaiians playing the ukulele after that literally nothing matters he might be with alice in wonderland or at a dada ballet or with the terribly logical clowns of shakespeare i think that chaplin would savour his humours in an art which is hard and bright it tends to glitter rather than radiate he has a gleam of poetry but he is like the best of poets because there are no fuzzy edges no blurred contours he is exact and his precision is never cold he holds conversations of an imbecile gravity how are you how are you fine how's yourself good and you splendid how's your uncle i haven't got an uncle fine how is he he's fine how are you he is amazingly inventive creating new stunts writing new lines doing fresh business from week to week his little bits are like witty epigrams in verse where the thing done and the skill of the method coincide and pleasing separately please more by their fusion his sense of the stage is equal but by one man i have ever seen george m cohen had i had any doubts about vaudeville as we practised it in the united states they would have been dispelled in the past two years by one great success and one notable failure the chaussurie of bailiff and the show of the forty-niners bailiff seemed for a moment to be destroying b f keith here was something certainly vaudeville with turns and numbers appealing to every grade of intelligence here were good music exciting scenery and good fun here were voices caressing the ear and dancers dazzling the eye here was a gay burlesque and a sophisticated conferencier now if our native product were only like that the implication was wouldn't we just go every day to the nearest vaudeville house then to be sure a reaction put edwin and leon errol and i omit the list when was almost unanimously chosen as conferencier and we could give the russians at least a good run for the money and it was money loads of it much to their surprise and then without edwin and the list the attempt for the forty-niners were cheerfully setting out to be a company of americans stranded in russia giving the russians to understand what the folk and popular arts of america were months earlier the thing had been perfectly done as a game in the nursery a wholly amateur single performance which was without doubt the gayest evening of the year in new york the tribute is not exactly wrung from me for friends of mine were concerned in it it was the high moment of the algonquin circle and they should have disbanded the following morning since i was not an adherent of the group my advice was not asked i do not know whether it still exists 
has passed to further triumphs or has repeated the forty-niners put on professionally high-class vaudeville showed all the weaknesses of the commercial kind and had a dullness of its own the dance of the small-town mayors was exactly right but most of the parodies were outdated the burlesques were too voulu the strain too great there was lacking that technical proficiency which is essential to vaudeville and the adjustment of means to material was sloppy one fell back on bailiff and discovered as the exoticism wore off that he too had his weak points sentimental songs in however beautiful voices the choreographics of figures come to life from copenhagen plate however accurately the footfall coincided with the nitra's dance and a number of other things suggested that in russia too refinement could corrupt and stultify there remained elements we could not match we hadn't encouraged our legitimate stage sufficiently to be justified in expecting cubist settings in vaudeville nor when we heard american folk music and its contemporary form in ragtime did we so earnestly applaud as to keep them fresh in variety shows bailiff never was variety and we asked a variety that it be like him we missed the meaning of bailiff as surely as we appreciated the fun for he was a lesson not to vaudeville but to us to those of us who left vaudeville in the hands of the least cultivated audiences we have asked nothing of vaudeville simply because we haven't suspected what it had to give yet week after week at the palace theatre in new york there have been bills equal in entertainment to the average bailiff program there has been evident an expertness in technique a skill in construction a naturalness of execution a soundness of sense and judgment which ought to have appealed to all who had taste and discrimination the people who do go there have something at least and lack snobbism generally if the audiences of the theatre guild and the neighbourhood playhouse were to add themselves to their number were to accept what is given and be receptive to something more it could not hurt vaudeville because like everything else variety must grow and there is no reason why it should shut itself off from the direction of civilized life it can exist very well without the theatre guild audience i wonder whether that audience can exist as well without variety End of section 16